Today's program is brought to you by Happy Chef Uniforms, the perfect style, whatever your recipe. Visit happychef.com to order your free 2018 catalog. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Why Food. We're a podcast about innovators, entrepreneurs, and career changers from other industries into food. I'm your co-host, Ethan Frisch. And I'm Jenny Dorsey. And this is our first episode of season five. Uh, our second season, but season five of the podcast overall. And uh, super excited to be back and, and doing it again. we got a great lineup for you this season, including a really cool guest uh, today, who I'm going to introduce in a moment. But... Um, yeah, it, we're we're really excited to be back, and, and uh, we'll do a quick intro back yeah. again ourselves. Um, I'm Jenny Dorsey. I'm a chef here in New York. Um, I've been doing all sorts of bizarre things, but I host a pop up series named Wednesdays, and I just started a nonprofit fusing food with uh, emerging tech like virtual and augmented reality. So cool. <laughs> Uh, my name is Ethan Frisch. I'm the founder and CEO of a direct trade spice company called Burlap and Barrel. Also a, a former chef and former international aid worker and now working on better spices and better spice supply chains. And we are joined today by Dario Wolos, who is the founder and CEO of Tacombi. Dario, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to meet both of you. Well, we always start our um, seasons and our episodes with uh, the question of your aha moment. Um, you had a career in startups uh, doing finance before you started Tacombi. Can you tell us when you knew that you had to go into the food industry? Well, I think you know, growing up in Mexico, I've always loved... Mexican food, Mexican people, everything Mexico. Um, you know, I was I was born in upstate New York. Uh, my mother is uh, from Monterrey, uh, and my father uh, was born in France of Ukrainian parents. And so he ended up in Mexico, where he met met my mother in Monterrey. And um, uh, uh, they like to tell me that I was conceived there, but I was I was born in New York. And then your, your parents uh, like to tell you where you were conceived. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it, it, it goes with, you know, the the first probably aha moment when I was young and and we were in Mexico with my grandparents and and I realized that I was from this place. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, was, I was, you know, being, you know, the children of, of immigrants in, in the U.S., you know, you kind of don't really know where you where you're from or what your heritage is, what your roots are. And we were back in Mexico and, and, you know, I've always felt uh, spiritually connected to the land in Mexico, to the people, the, the culture, the history. Um, it's, it's just part of who I am. And uh, being born on foreign soil in Mexico is, is when you're a kid, that's like a thing that um, other Mexican kids hold against you, mm -hmm. right? Because you know, <laughs> you're the, the different kid, right? Um, but nonetheless, I've I've uh, always loved Mexico, and I and I think you know the 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 magic that 
I would hear when I was out on the ranch, you know, the, the stories that, you know, the, the owls were actually witches, right? And, and that they would turn into witches at, at a certain time. Do they do anything as witches? I think they're good witches. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of have the impression that they're, you know, friendly witches. Um, but, um, but, you know, there, there's just this, you know, magic that exists in Mexico in, in the storytelling. And it, it's the same magic that exists in the food and in the food culture. There, there, it's this fusion um, with, with so many different uh, roots and, and, and stories. I think I've always been fascinated by just Mexico. Right. And, and, and food is just such a big part of life in Mexico. I, I think when when I was 15, I was I had to leave Mexico uh, to study in Canada. And it was an extremely cold first winter that, that, I, that I had spent there. <laughs> oh, no. And I remember, you know, taking a, a shower in the morning and going outside and my hair freezing and uh, and really missing Mexico at that point. And um I had gone into the city of Toronto somewhere to eat and found a Mexican restaurant and and was was so excited and and I didn't really realize it at the time but you know I, I missed Mexican food you know and, and I was away from my home and and, and my family and um, had gone out with you know uh, Canadian kids uh, to to this to this restaurant and. It, it wasn't the Mexico that, that mm-hmm. I knew. Like, it just wasn't, the flavors weren't there, the, the feeling wasn't there. And probably that summer I was um, with some of those same friends in Mexico and, and just showing them the things, uh, showing them the things that I loved about Monterrey. Going out to eat tacos on, on, you know, on a street corner after, you know, hanging out or, or whatever. And, and and I just saw how much they loved that experience. And I, and I realized, too, how much I loved hosting them and showing them this portal, this view that I had into Mexico that they didn't. And, and I think that was probably kind of the, one of the early moments where I, I really realized that, wow, this is something that's important to me. And it's something that I have to share with the world, that there is this perspective uh, on Mexico that, that I was endowed with because of my, my, my heritage and my upbringing and, and coming from, you know, uh, uh, a, a, a Mexican parent and a foreign parent. And, and I could see things in Mexico that uh, I thought were worth sharing the world over. And was the plan always tacos? You wanted to do a taco shop of some sort? Or the, did, the, did the food of choice um, kind of evolve as the Tacomi concept? Well, it, it was always Mexico. Right. So it was just whatever it was that I could share that was right about Mexico is, is what I wanted to do. Uh, the, at the time in my life when I decided to start Tacombi, um, uh, by that time I was 28 years old and, you know, I, I had lived and studied uh, and, and worked in, in many different places around the world. And, you know, I, Food was, has always been important to me because I just love to eat. I, I have, I'm, if anyone who knows me, you guys can see me. I'm a, a you know, relatively skinny guy, but I can eat <laughs> probably most people under the table if, if that's a thing, you know, and uh, I, I just love food and, uh, and I can eat and eat and eat. And, and, you know, so that part of, of being Mexican, you know, I can easily go out and in, in Mexico and, and savor these different flavors and, 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 and I've been doing this now for, for 12 years. 
there's a lot to experience when you go out to eat in Mexico, especially if you're exploring from a from a culinary point of view. Um, so, it, so to answer the question, and I don't know where, <laughs> where what the question was anymore, but it it wasn't always tacos. It was this thing about Mexico. When I decided to start Tacombi, it was the name Tacombi that inspired me to to do something in and around tacos specifically. Um, but you know, it, it, it was it's there's a love for Mexican food in general and 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 all aspects of it. Tacombi, um, you know, which is the name of the VW bus, a combi that that I first bought in in Mexico City, and taco put together. Um, had to sell tacos, right? <laughs> so I couldn't. I had to really start there. I mean, there's all kinds of other things I wanted to do, but um, Tacombi started really with you know a, a barbacoa recipe that was taught to me by uh, an uncle in in Mexico, and and has since evolved in, into what it is today. And and today it's a a group of several restaurants around New York City. Um, tell us a little bit about where 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 you are now. Well, uh, today we have uh, five restaurants uh, in New York. Um, four of those are in Manhattan. One of them is in Montauk. Uh, we are opening uh, very soon in Fort Greene in Brooklyn, and we've been we're really excited about Brooklyn. We've been wanting to to share Tacombi or bring Tacombi here for a long time, and so we we found an awesome location in a really cool neighborhood, and uh, so we're very happy about that. Um, and, and but what, what Tacombi really is today is is about 350 just awesome people, and that as we've grown in, in New York City, we've been blessed. Um, I think to be sharing something that a lot of people who are from Mexico or or care about Mexico identify with, and so a lot of people have just joined our team and and are delivering on this. This idea that, that started in Mexico 12 years ago is to, to share something beautiful of Mexico and, and help you know set the story straight, tell people, uh, show people uh, what it is that we see in Mexico. And, and that's what really Tacombi is today. It's, it's this group of people just really working very hard, as, as, as both of you know, the, the restaurant business um, is hard work. Yeah. You know, and, um, but hospitality has this very unique opportunity that there are very few businesses where you, you serve people and, and it's this virtuous circle where they, they thank you for serving them and, and, and it's this, this thing that's, that's um, extremely energizing. And, and so today all, all these uh, taqueros and, and, and we refer to a lot of people within our company to be taqueros themselves because that really is the profession in Mexico that, that we aim to bring honor to to a certain extent and, and it's part of the story that we're sharing and you were telling us over lunch, um, you buying the bus and, and driving it to the playa, um, and that was a journey in and of itself, and, uh, you know, the eventual first opening day. Can you tell us more about that? Well, in 2005, uh, I was still living in London and uh, had been there for about five years after, after university. Working for this uh, financial tech startup I was, I was working for a yeah a financial uh, tech startup that had started in Boston um, where they first let me begin developing uh, Mexico and Latin America and and then asked me had asked me to move on to London to, to develop the office there and, and I was was very lucky to be traveling from London around Europe um, 
city to city also noticing all this time that there was really nothing Mexican anywhere mm-hmm. in, in, in the in the continent and um, and it was going very well and it was a very exciting opportunity and and, and I was young and traveling and, and, and growing and and um, I went back to Mexico for a holiday and was in the Yucatan with some of my best friends who were from the, the city of Merida and they had invited us to this town Playa del Carmen and we showed up in Playa and it was really, you know, before Playa became famous, kind of like before Tulum became famous now, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, the, the streets were, were relatively empty and, and, and people would just congregate in, in, you know, this bar or that bar, you know, in, in this kind of beach town. It was a, a beautiful place. And because it was so beautiful, it became incredibly popular. And, and, and this little town that it was is now a big city. Um, and so I was there and, and uh, over drinks uh, with, with these friends from Merida, uh, we had talked about some of these ideas and some of these, these things that I was carrying with me my, my entire life. And, and the name Tacombi came out of that. And, you know, thank, thankfully the mezcal overpowered my memory and, and, <laughs> and, and the name was, was lost. Uh, but, but, but there was this, I think, some advice that uh, one of my friends from Merida had gave me that, that night was that, you know, if you really want to do something about Mexico, you shouldn't do it in London. Because that's what we were kind of, that was the, the, the genesis of the conversation that night. And they said, well, you, you should do it here in Mexico. Mm-hmm. If, you know, you've been living outside of the country since you were 15, you're 28 now, like, you know, do it here and, 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 and take your hits here to a certain extent was, was their advice. And it was really good advice. And I, um, I think I had gone back to London and, and there was just something that had opened up in my heart and, 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 you know, it was back in Mexico and I came back and, uh, the, the same friends let me, you know, sleep on their couch for a while until I started to figure out what I was going to do. And, and, um, the name Tacombi popped back into my head, and I, I went a to Mexico. More mezcal or something. <laughs> Pushed <laughs> it back. L- l- lots of mezcal. I'm a I'm a big fan of mezcal. Uh, I, um, growing up in, in in Mexico, my father, my grandfather, uh, always kept tequila in the freezer. That was kind of the thing I remember. Huh. Is it was like always that nice cold bottle of. Uh, in in my house, it was tres generaciones. That was the the tequila of choice, um, and it, it was you know it was the grandfather's kind of drink. To a certain extent, and when I had returned to Mexico, now as you know, as a, as, as a young kid, or young man, or whatever, <laughs> um, mezcal was now the thing of choice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when when you grew up in Mexico, so when I was 10, 15, mezcal was something that you didn't drink because it was um, uh, it was more like moonshine. You couldn't trust the quality or the provenance mm-hmm. of it. Okay, there there was often this misconception that mezcal could make you blind or something, and so it was just kind of impounded as like as a, as a as a young kid not to not to drink mezcal um and uh but this is also probably something regional to monterrey um so when i came back mezcal was kind of this thing that was just starting to pop up or and, and playa being one of these new spots in mexico where there was just new things being tried you know uh, uh, kind of a an edge to mexico that I don't want to say it, but it's probably the easiest metaphor is, is it was kind of like what Williamsburg became to New York or, or what parts of Brooklyn became. Mm-hmm. Like Playa had this aspect of just being innovative as far as Mexican culture and cuisine and design and architecture and all these things were just happening there. Um, and so that 
mezcal that was being consumed a lot there, uh, I've, I, I really fell in love with. And, and, and to this day, you know, I, I go to Oaxaca a lot and, and have met many mezcaleros and, and, and appreciate it. Um, and so Tacombi came back into my head. I was in Mexico City and figured that it was time to you know, buy a, a combi. Mm-hmm. I didn't, and, and I went and I found a, I think it was a, a 1963 combi that was in really good shape. Uh, it only had the front seats. Um, it was missing a couple windows. What color was it? It was green on the lower side and white on the top. Is our combis a popular vehicle of choice in Mexico? Well, they were, they were built by Volkswagen at the, the famous uh, Volkswagen factory in Puebla until they were stopped until it stopped, which was, I think, sometime in the 90s. Um, mm. And so the combi that I bought was um, manufactured in Germany and somehow made its way to Mexico in the, in the 60s. Um, combis throughout my childhood, I, I rode combis to, to school when I, when I grew up in Monterrey, and, and many people in my family had them. It was kind of, you know, the, the minivan of Mexico okay. back, <laughs> back in the day and, and, and serves as a... a a mode of transportation, taxis and whatnot, you know, sh- shared taxis that they use, kind of the, the Uber pool of, of Mexico <laughs> City. Um, and uh, found this combi and I remember the owner of it, really, you know, it was his pride and joy. He had really restored and taken care of this thing, but didn't finish restoring it. Um, so I still had a lot of work to do, but I remember sh- uh, shaking his hands. I remember he, had, he was a mechanic, you know, he, he had, you know, greasy, you know, mechanic hands. Um, and he entrusted it to me uh, to, to do good by it because it, it was something that, that he cared about. And and, uh, and 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 that really was like the beginning of, of this whole adventure uh, in, in, in earnest, you know, in, in uh, 2005 and uh, got, you know, basically got on the road and started driving south from Mexico City over uh, Popocatépetl, which is the, the volcano between Mexico City and Puebla. And, you know, this, this vehicle couldn't do <laughs> beyond, beyond 20, 30 kilometers. It was really shaky. And we made it over the, the volcano and we're driving down to Puebla. And it was, you know, sliding across the highway because for some reason, the way that that car works, it just it just didn't work <laughs> and uh, uh, got to Puebla and, and, you know, just began to think, you know, if in a normal car, this would take 24 hours to get back to Playa del Carmen. I, I couldn't imagine what this was going to take to yeah. get um, to get all the way back in this vehicle. But how long did it take? I think in total, it was a week and a half that, <laughs> that, that it took to get there. And but it was the coolest week and a half, probably one of the, the coolest of my life, because I, I began to see very slowly, right, um, this Mexico, you know, and, and uh, I traveled it in my youth and, and I traveled in it, you know, as, as I was growing up. But, you know, to be driving through these states in particular, Puebla, Veracruz, Tabasco, Campeche, Yucatan, Quintana Roo, the, these states in the south of Mexico are phenomenal states. You know, there's... Mayan ruins every so often. There's just co- colonial architecture. I mean, there's tropical land, you know, a, a swamp land that comes out of the Gulf of Mexico. Amazing tacos at every corner. I mean, there's not a place. Um, Tlalpan is one of these places that I remember stopping in where I had come across a, you know, one of those late night taco stands. Um, 
tacos are always better after you drink a lot of tequila in Mexico, <laughs> I, I have to admit. You know? And so um, the, the, this adventure began to kind of form the story of, of Tacombi, right? And, and it, was, it, was a, it was an amazing time, and, and I, I was letting go of one part of my life and starting to embark on something else and, and showed up in Playa del Carmen just in time for, I think, two hurricanes uh, that summer. And um, they had pretty much wiped out the little summer business that was happening in those towns at the time because not, now they they operate year round. But at the time, there was a big seasonal shift that would happen. You mm-hmm. know, it was basically Christmas through um, spring break, Easter were were the the high season, and the rest of the year was was empty, which was cool to live there, um, but difficult to start a business in. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and so that so I ended up in Playa. Uh, you didn't have any any doubts, any hesitations on this this long drive. Journey. The <laughs> car wasn't working. Two hurricanes hit the town. You were going to start your business in. You didn't stop and go. Uh, uh. Maybe I should do something else. It, it really was an adventure. You know, it was just one of those things where I I I I think I've always had a perspective in my life that um, we're going forward. We're moving forward. Uh, you know. I think by my, my nature, I'm a forgiving person. And, and, and so I easily forgive and forget my own mistakes, <laughs> which is probably to, to other people's dismay. But I, I, in general, I've always had this perspective of just moving forward. And, and I've really started to see, you know, this, this opportunity to, to do something for Mexico. And, and I truly believe and I truly believe then and still believe today that, that there is an opportunity to show, um, show Mexicans and and the world the the value that we have in our country you know the 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 natural treasures beyond what's physical that that exists in in Mexico and I was committed I think to to build something that would somehow some way and and I'm still working on that today it was going to support and and fund education in Mexico and and give more people a, a chance and I guess one of the things you learn in the process of building a business is that it's an opportunity to give a lot of people a chance, and if you do it right, and uh, and then so that's that's become part of where we are today. But but I think back then I, I saw this awesome opportunity to share what uh, I think the world would appreciate. And know? so when you did reach Playa, what 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 happened next? So so the the, the extent of my my. My handwriting has always been sloppy, and, and you know my, 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 my father's an engineer, my mom's an artist, so they're, they're really good at these things, and I, I can't. Uh, so I had 2005 PowerPoint on my computer, and I began to draft in PowerPoint you know, the, the mechanical drawings of what my taco bus was going to look like. <laughs> and so I drafted these out in, uh, in you know, 3D as best I could on, on PowerPoint, and found a local metal worker and you know, began to trade the pieces of the bus that I didn't need anymore in exchange for his work. And he helped me build a, a plancha and a comal out of, out of stainless steel that, you know, we, we put in the bus and, you know, I hollowed out the bus and found another, uh, yeah, another guy that helped me cut the roof open. And, and, and it just became this, this arts and crafts project for, for a couple of months, building the first Tacombi. And... 
And we wanted to make it cool, you know, as, as I think anyone who's, who's trying to, to put some love into something. And so, you know, we, we tried to give it some style on wherever we could. There was like a little piece. We, we were trying to make it part of this story. Um, I had invented, I think, on this road trip, this mythological character, which was called Senor Tacombi. And, and, <laughs> and, and he was this, um, you know, Mexican who had kind of gone through all the important stages of, of, of Mexican history and, and, and had all these ideas about Mexico that they were going to share. And so I was kind of working with this story in my head, telling the story of Senor Tacombi. Um, and that just kind of became, you know, the, the obsession for, for a while. And then we finally got the bus ready and then I didn't know what to do with it because I had never done anything like this before. Um, were you were you practicing recipes or trying to teach yourself to cook in the meantime? Had you were you a good cook uh, before <laughs> before, to call before this project? <laughs> I think I've always been a good eater, <laughs> uh, a good cook. I, I I have an aspect of creativity that I think when I'm you know given certain ingredients, I, I can make something special. But but Mexican food, uh, Mexi- the tradition of, of Mexican cuisine is. Um, so complex and and so rich, uh, you know. You you can play with good Mexican ingredients that are already that have been done for you. You know, like a great tortilla, you can you can play with it. You know, and put cheese on it, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but uh, to 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 really make Mexican to to honor these traditions, um, I, I I wasn't there yet, and and this really was the beginning of my exploration into Mexican cuisine, right? And and uh, the bus, the, the Tacombi was built, and then I had to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> and, and so that, that, that really became the adventure, I would say, that, that we're still in today. You know, is really this process of discovery of, of these traditions, um, you know, of the, the mindset that it takes to get in and, and make food on the street and all these different yeah. parts of Mexico. And you yeah. said you started with the barbacoa recipe. So how did that come about? So, you know, bar- barbacoa is a thing in, in it's different all over Mexico in Monterrey people love um, barbacoa de res which is you know beef beef barbacoa um, they, they like you know the, there's different types of barbacoa I'm there's chivo and, and borrego and these kinds of things but you know my, I, I've always been a fan of, of barbacoa de res and barbacoa de lengua is is I think one of the specialties from Monterrey and it's I tongue have, tongue barbacoa tongue barbacoa and um, one of my good friends, uh, his father, who, you know, by Mexican tradition is, is my uncle, uh, uh, Tio Pepe. Uh, <laughs> Tio Pepe had a uh, cabrito restaurant in, in Monterrey. Um, and long story short, we were uh, put in touch and, and, and the deal was that I would host Tio Pepe for a week if he would teach me how to make barbacoa. <laughs> and, uh, and he came down to Playa del Carmen and basically you know, gave me like a 10-minute class and then went off to party right? because, <laughs> because Playa was really fun back in the day. And, and, and you know, he was on vacation from his family, supposedly <laughs> teaching me how to make barbacoa. And... Um, and, you know, we basically got this giant tamalera, which is, I don't know, like a maybe 30-gallon uh, pot and where we would steam the barbacoa. And, 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 and it's 
uh, of the recipes of, of Mexican food, this one's extremely simple. And we would steam, you know, 40, 40 beef tongues uh, along with three whole onions and five whole cloves of garlic. And that was it. And then you had to let it steam for 12, 15 hours. And the next day you would just peel it and, and chop it up. And that was, you know, and barbacoa. Of course, to make good tacos in Mexico, they say there's really three magic pieces of, of a good taco. It's the tortilla you know, in this case, the barbacoa and then, and then the salsa. So you really have to learn to make good salsas if you, if you want to do tacos well. And, and Mexicans, as, as it doesn't matter the city you're in, more often you'll hear them talk about a taqueria via its salsas, not via its, hmm. its you know, the, the rest of the ingredients. It's like, this place has the best salsas, or this place does it this way. So how did you learn uh, what your signature salsa would be? Well, I guess that's one of the cool things is that sal- salsa, there's just hundreds and thousands of, of recipes of salsas. Um, you know, so there, there's family recipes and, and living in Playa, um, you're in the Yucatan and habanero is the chile of choice in the Yucatan. So a lot of the salsas come from habanero. And I, I really... Actually, probably now today is, is, is one of my favorite chiles that, to, to work with in, in general. It, it's tough to get the habanero of the same flavor in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. than the one that grows in the Yucatan. Um, I, think, I think the ones uh, that we get in the U.S. Uh, come from other parts, not, not necessarily the Yucatan. And um, there, there is something about terroir, I think, with, with Mexican food as well, is you know, eating it in the place where it comes from is, is something that's hard to match. Um, but um, the most simple habanero salsa, which is, you know, really throwing four habaneros on the grill and um, lime juice and salt. And, and that's, you know, sliced up. And that's that's all you need uh, to, to make a good habanero salsa. Oh, um, that sounds good. Do you still serve mm-hmm. that in the restaurants? We serve uh, an habanero oil, which is another tradition I picked up on from mm. the Yucatan. And... As you travel across the Yucatan, and I did a lot during those years that I lived in Playa, um, roadside taco stands and uh, taco stands deep in the jungle and, and taquerias on the beach, habanero is, is present everywhere. And so there's habanero salts and there's habanero oils and, and many different habanero salsas. Um, and um, yeah, habanero in your ceviche. And it's, it's, it's a very interesting chile to work with. But anyways... <laughs> We're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we'll be hearing more about the Tacomi journey. So stick with us. Maybe you're looking for a coat for yourself, or you want a bold look for your staff. You might even need a new style for your restaurant, whether it's modern, industrial, or farm-to-table. Whatever you're looking for, Happy Chef has got you covered. Their wide variety of chef apparel and products are perfect for teams of all sizes and styles. And with the industry's easiest custom embroidery, you can add your logo, name, or fun artwork to many of their other products in minutes. Here's what you do. 
Visit happychef.com and choose from their incredible selection. With only a couple clicks, you can customize many of their products to personalize your look. Right now, they're even offering free custom logo setup on all orders over $150, a $95 value totally free. Visit happychef.com now to order your free 2018 catalog featuring new styles and incredible comfort. Happy Chef, the perfect style, whatever your recipe. Welcome back. We're here today with Dario Woos. Um, he is the founder and CEO of Tacombi, a taco, a taqueria in New York City that started from the back of a VW. So we were just talking about since when you got to uh, Playa de Carmen and you were about to open up Tacombi, um, how, where did you open and when did you open and what was their first day like? So it was uh, February 6th of 2006, and we had found a place to permanently park the Tacombi next to a nightclub in Playa del Carmen that was called La Santanera. And La Santanera was a nightclub in Playa that, to a certain extent, served as an inspiration to, to what we were doing because they, they had tried to revive a nostalgia of the 60s in Mexico, um, which which in Mexico is considered kind of the, the golden era of television and art. And there was a lot of stuff happening, I think, in that, in that time in Mexico. And, and there was this kind of jet set chic, you know, uh, play that was happening in, 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 um, in, in, in that time period that, that it was just sexy, I think. Right. And, and, and La Santanera as a nightclub, it really brought it back to life. And it, it was tropical. And at the same time, you know, it was international. And, and I, I think that's one of the special things about these beach resorts in Mexico. I, like Acapulco had this, this thing, you know, where in its heyday, people from all over the world would come and enjoy Mexico and, and, and Mexicans would share, you know, in a, in a very special way, the, the, the Mexican experience. And, and, and there would be this commingling of international ideas and, and, and Mexican traditions. And, and this was happening in Playa del Carmen in, in 2006. And this nightclub was really bringing very interesting music to Playa del Carmen. Um, you know, different musicians and, and DJs were, were at this place. And, we were very lucky to, to, to be able to open up the Tacombi as part of this kind of complex. And, but I had never done this before and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> but I had made a deal with my dad that I would open on this date. Like this was like the drop dead date because he, I think he also knew that I was scared and anxious to do this and, and kind of, uh, my dad's always been awesome like this is just helping you know, me break through whatever that challenge is. And, you know, we made a deal and I said I was going to do it on this date. And we opened for a weekend and, and just went at it. And there was no plan what we were going to do in two hours. There was no plan what we were going to do in, in four hours. But we had decided that we were going to open it up 24 hours around the clock because of the location next to the nightclub and we, we had to capture people at all times and, and this part of the taco experience I think that I've always loved in Mexico is is eating tacos late night um, 
and uh, in early morning and and, mm. and and all the time, I guess, you know, when it comes <laughs> down 24 to it. Hours. <laughs> 24 hours. <laughs> 24 hours. And, um, but I had no idea how hard it would be to operate something 24 hours. Um, Did you guys run out of food? No, we, the, the, I, I think that wasn't an option. Like, we just had to figure it out. Um, so we just kept going and going. I mean, there was definitely times where we ran out of food at the Tacombi and... At that point, we were still making the food in my apartment. I hadn't got a kitchen set up yet. Um, so we were making the food in my apartment. I think I'd probably run back and forth multiple times. Um, but we didn't stop for 48 hours. And, you know, we, we just kind of went through the entire weekend. And, um, you know, it was just, you know, adrenaline and energy. And, and, and people were loving this this thing that had just popped open there. And, and um, it was awesome. I, I was so excited and and that this thing had finally come to life and it, it took a couple of weeks for it to sink in that what am i doing like <laughs> how, how is this thing gonna actually work and yeah and that was 12 years ago and so it's just been like this constant process of of learning right i mean i mean i've, I've been i've been learning about food i've been learning about mexico i've been learning about people um hospitality i mean all, all these things that come with this adventure you know like you have this idea in your head like i, I want to go somewhere i want to do something i want to share something but you don't know exactly what you you, you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. right is that, mm-hmm. is that correct yeah, to say that very there's just this this thing and you just have to be open to it and did you always think that you were going to expand to new york or like how did that even come out in the journey well and how come they're not in vw's here <laughs> well it I guess the plan was always to share this, these ideas outside of Mexico. I think um, at one point I thought we would start in London. At one point I thought we would start in Austin. Um, you know that life, life takes you in certain in certain ways and and, and puts you where it wants to. Um, it was 2008 in Playa del Carmen, and, and I was struggling. I, I was really having a tough time turning this into a business, you know, and, 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 and I was still learning a lot of these other things that I, I, I you know, I was learning, I think, mostly about myself, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how I was going to do the things that I had set out to do and, and let go of whatever preconceptions I had that, that were baked into me through my education and, and through the things that I had read before I had started to do this, right? Such uh, as? Like, you know, ex- ex- expectations on, um, I think, with my education that I had, how I would put it to good use, you know, uh, mm-hmm. how I would, you know, I think, honor my parents to a certain extent. You know, they... they gave me everything that they could so that I think I could do better in life. And, and so I had like a, I think, uh, an obligation to honor them. Um, and, 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 and still trying to figure out what I had to do to, for myself and, and for the people around me. I don't know. It's just this, this mm-hmm. interesting process that I guess one embarks on. And, um, Playa was an, a, a very interesting starting point, and in 2008, it Tacombi wasn't attracting, you know, people that wanted to work f- with me. You know what I mean? Like it just wasn't, it wasn't special 
to, to work for, I would say, you know? And, and I didn't realize how important that was at the time when, you, when you're building something that, you know, it's, it's the people with you on this adventure, right? And, and so I think I still had my own issues. I was still just me. And, I, and I, I w that process implied forced me to let go of me, I think, and to a certain extent and, and begin to uh, understand in the development of a business and in the development of a brand that had such a, an important mission for Mexico that it was going to take a lot more. And luckily, I was struggling just as the time that the recession had a big impact on tourism in Mexico. And then the swine flu, um, which I think was still, a, you know, fabricated to a certain extent, also was said that, you know, it, 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 it originated in Mexico. And so mm. tourism to Playa was decimated. Right. And we saw like the last couple busloads of people leave Playa del Carmen during this time because of this epidemic that was, but people really didn't understand what was happening. It was, it was yeah. a crazy time. And all of a sudden Playa was empty and, I, and, and that was pretty much the end of Tacombi right there. And, and um, I had two Tacombis by that point. I had one in the Santanera and I had managed to open a second one on the beach in a beach that's called Mamitas, um, not too far from, from the first one. And I shut down one of the Tacombis and during 2008 was trying to figure out how this story would continue. I started, you know, visiting Austin, LA, Miami, New York. I, I, was, I, I was like, it's now or never we're going to take this story outside of Mexico because it just wasn't happening in Playa del Carmen. And so I ended up choosing New York. I had been once to the Empire State Building, I think, when I was uh, eight years old. And I'd never lived in New York City. And it piqued my curiosity on a trip. What uh, did you think of the Mexican food in New York at the time? Um, <laughs> I mean, it was... Mexican food in New York has always been interesting. Like, I, I, I did show up on... the As I was trying to figure out where I would bring Tacombi, and I came to New York and went straight to Sunset Park and, and started going around to the Mexican neighborhoods and trying to meet the Mexican people that were here and, and understand where they were from. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people from Puebla, uh, a lot of people from Oaxaca, a lot of people from Guerrero in, in Sunset, in Corona, in, in the Bronx. And I started to kind of see the types of, of food that, that they were making in these neighborhoods. I didn't really eat in Manhattan at mm -hmm. the time. I didn't really go to any Mexican places in Manhattan. La Esquina was open and it was, you know, in a very famous place. And, mm -hmm. and you know, um, but, you know, I, I wasn't thinking so much about that. I was, there was, it was always, it's always been this story about Mexico. Um, I, uh, I still hadn't understood, I think, at that point, the importance of, of, food in our story mm -hmm. right and and that's where new york when i landed here with the second bus because we basically packed up one of the buses in mexico and just brought it to new york and you know was, was just determined that we had to find a place to to put this and you know that was kind of 2009 going into 2010 and where i officially moved to new york and, and began the the new york part of this adventure and was it different starting to sell, you know, Mexican tacos in New York versus selling tacos to the Mexican audience in Mexico? 
well, Playa was special um, being a tourist destination. So I had a, a national audience from all over Mexico. I had a local audience of, of expats and, and, and Mexicans from all over the country that lived there and the tourists, right? Um, New York is this whole different beast, <laughs> right? You know, it's... Um, it's you know, uh, competitive. I mean, there's there's an energy here. I, I don't think that exists anywhere else in the world. So it's it's frenetic. It's this amazing city that I think you know we we all love, and you know that's something you can feed off on yourself when when you're in this process, right? And I was gifted a little uh, a bike that was in this warehouse. So the warehouse that we ended up renting for the first Tacombi, um, I went by it one day and the owner was hanging up a sign that said for rent by owner and i knew that that was my shot because i really had only the bus i didn't have uh, um, capital or anything to to pull off this first tacombi in new york city and i was walking by and and the owner uh, was hanging up a sign and we became friends right away and he gifted me this bicycle that had been left in his spot since the time that he had first moved in there in the 60s as a, as a metal worker, right, in, in Nolita on Elizabeth Street. And, you know, I began a conversation with him, but I had this bike, and so I was just now, like, riding all over over New York City, um, trying to find where uh, we would open the, the first Tacombi. It ended up being that spot that, that became the first Tacombi, uh, but that was an adventure on itself. And Erwin, um, uh, who, who's this, this gentleman, Erwin and Klaus, the the two guys that, that own this this space um, you know are some of my best friends now and, and have be, you know really are part of the reason that Tacombi exists today because they uh, entrusted their space to me really with with nothing you know I, I I only had this VW bus that I was literally pushing around from place to place in New York because I didn't even have uh, funds to park it somewhere you know so. <laughs> One friend lent me, you know, a, a space in their parking, uh, in, in, in their driveway in Queens for like a couple weeks. And, and then, you know, uh, the, these restaurateurs uh, downtown uh, who own The Smile uh, helped me get it into a Halloween party they were doing. And, and so we just had this kind of adventure moving the VW bus around it as we were trying to find a spot. And, and eventually we landed on this spot on Elizabeth Street. And... Irwin and Klaus let me park it in there for three months and three months had gone by and I wasn't able to raise the funds to, to rent the place and I had to take it out and again it was this adventure uh, parking and moving it all over the place. Were you, were you selling tacos at all when it was parked? We would do uh, parties. Okay. So wherever there was um, some type of street festival or this we would somehow show up and and <laughs> and we weren't authorized to do it so we would just give away tacos actually it wasn't it was this kind of like weird system that i don't really remember how it worked <laughs> and but it was basically we would just somehow share tacos right okay. Wh- whatever it was uh, some of these events were sponsored and so we, you know we, we were at least our, our food costs were covered and we were just just pushing it along you know just pushing this dream of, of mexico and eventually we got that space on Elizabeth Street and parked the bus in there. And then there was the, the leftovers of, of the space included um, basically the, the changing rooms of a, 
of a clothing store. So we kind of repurposed all this stuff that was in there to decorate the restaurant and, and with some paint and, and, and then some, you know, white tile, tiled it ourselves and, and just kind of built the setting around the, the first Tacombi in, on Elizabeth Street. And How did you raise the initial funds then? After, after the three months was up, you, couldn't, you didn't raise the funds, so where did the... Well, I, so I ended up borrowing uh, $150,000, which from three friends, um, and, and those were the funds that I used to open up this first location. And, um, that, and basically, that initial funding, half of it went to the security deposit, right? <laughs> of course. And the rest, you know went into what what you know it became the the first Tacombi in New York City and you know we we painted the tables we 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 did everything by by hand and and it was cool because I, I think like you know one of the things that I learned in in Mexico and 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 I think is central to everything we do at Tacombi today is is to reuse and recycle and 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 make use of of what's around you and and I learned that from the necessity of of how Tacombi started, and so we put that to good use in in what we 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 originally called Tacombi and Nolita Fonda Nolita. So the the idea was that every taqueria belongs and is in service to a neighborhood, right? And so every taqueria that we open has a connection to its neighborhood, and and so Fonda Nolita was the Tacombi is the Tacombi of Nolita, right? And uh, I think. As we're growing now, and learning from the, the the people that that are now part of of Tacombi, it's how do we you know do good by the tradition that we're representing, and how do we you know bring this hospitality to the neighborhood that we're serving? And you know, Nolita, I did not know at the time, but it was another kind of lucky star for for us, and in, in the sense that you know it's. An incredibly rich neighborhood from a you know the culturally right mm-hmm. and it's uh, it has a, an amazing history within New York City um, a very diverse group of people live in that neighborhood uh, in terms of you know age and and perspectives on New York and everything and and I had come from a small beach town and and found myself in a little town within you know the sea of Manhattan and it was it was a great start to uh, to New York, you know, it's a, which a city which I think I now belong to to a certain extent, you know. And and just in the last few minutes, how did you uh, build from the Fondanolita to your current, the current state of the business? Well, when we started Tacombi, and I, I think I, I mentioned, so in, I had a tough time attracting people in in Mexico, and something began in Nolita where we were able to attract people to what we were doing. And, and, and that's what's powered us through today, and I think it's going to power us for as long as we exist, is you know, the, the relationship with the people that are come together to serve and share this tradition of Mexican hospitality. Um, I've learned a lot about Mexico in, on this whole process, and I think, you know, I, I believe now that one of Mexico's greatest assets is Mexican hospitality, right? And, and how Mexico, through its history, through its culture, through, you know, the... Everything that makes Mexico today has created a sense of hospitality unique to Mexico, and and 
you know, food is part of that culture of that that culture of Mexican hospitality. And we are here today because I think we've we've understood how to um, capture that essence of, of Mexico. And, and I think the people that are now part of, of Tacombi are committed to sharing something and preserving something that's special. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's pretty simple when it comes down to it. It's, it's just that thing, you know? Do you think that um, because of your adventure and journey of getting to New York and finally opening up in New York, like th there was that something that kind of showed up um, in terms of the, the Compi brand that attracted your now employees? Like where, yeah, how do you think that kind of evolved? Well, the the adventure slash struggle that goes with with immigrating your entire business to mm -hmm. a to a to a place, I think, is something a lot a lot of people can relate to. Um, I mean, I think we are in New York and we're in the United States because it is such a great place, you know, that that exemplifies these values, these human values, and and in the process of building a restaurant and, 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 and building a hospitality brand, I think the the humanity that comes with this business itself teaches one so much about the, the importance of community and 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 sharing and giving that, you know, I can't I can't imagine better businesses that are built on these types of values because it's it's just what, what makes us as humans, right? Um, and and I think the scene in New York that the, the consumption in New York demands the very best in, in, in so many aspects of it. And, and so the, the, I think the situation that we luckily ended up in, you know, is, is, has, has helped polish what, what we didn't fully understand about Mexico, right? And, and, and so I feel, you know, that we're, we're just at the very beginning of the story that we're talk, that we're telling about Mexico. And, you know, I'm, couldn't be happier that that I somehow ended up in New York, right? You know, so. What well, advice uh, do you have for aspiring restaurateurs or entrepreneurs about how to how to live up to some of those values that you've been talking about? Especially those that are struggling. Yeah. Well, I I, I think one thing that's very important that we've learned over the years is is your perspective, right? To, to really, truly, and deeply understand your perspective um, and, and, and just focus on it and think about it and, and work through it uh, um, like, like a sculpture, right? And, and, and get down to the essence of, of what your perspective is. I think that's um, a very important part that you see in, in many great restaurants and, and, and hospitality brands that exist uh, is, is this very clear perspective. Um, and as the world gets more complicated and, and there's just so much more information, honing in on that perspective is, is so extremely important. Um, I think the second thing that's, uh, that I've, I, I think, um, the second thing that I've learned in, in this process too is that you, you just can't ever give up. There is no option for that. And, and I think if, if you are uh, struggling in, in that process, you have to remind yourself that there is a way to make it work and you have to be open to change and you have to be open to learning and, and advice and 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 
you have to develop a process in yourself to take in that advice and adapt it well not deviating from your perspective going back to the first point right like that's becomes an important part of the process and um and 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 then i think and then the the last one and and the simple one is you you really have to love it you know you you really have to just love what you're doing and i and i think that's probably an important lesson in life in general whatever it is that you're doing you know life is so short that just try to love what you're doing and and i think if you follow through through on those things, those are those will take you pretty far, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Sounds good, <laughs> Daria. This oh. has been uh, such such a pleasure having you here. And um, yeah, tell our listeners where they can find you and and find Tacombi. Well, we are at tacombi.com, and in New York City, you can find us in Nolita on Elizabeth Street, in Bleecker in the West Village. In Flatiron on 24th Street. Uh, we opened three months ago in the Empire State Building. It's an awesome taqueria nice. uh, in, in this building, which is you know such an important part of New York's history. And next week, you can find us in Fort Greene on the corner of Lafayette and Ashland. Oh, that's very exciting. Cool. And, um, oh, and Montauk, sorry, and Montauk um, in the summer. And online, we can find you at, at Tacombi? At Tacombi.com. Yeah, and you can order... From us, Tacomi.com. <laughs> so it's a secret. Uh, we only do burritas online. Um, oh, via secret menu. <laughs> secret menu only online at the Tacomi.com um, where you can get uh, burritas, which is something we found in Guadalajara. And it's different than a burrito. How is it different? It's better. Okay. But you got to try it out and, and let us know if you like it. Cool. Well, Thank Thanks. you so much for being here. And um, as always, if you have questions, comments, thoughts, please email us. We are uh, at whyfood at heritageradionetwork.org or you can find us online at, at whyfoodpodcast. And thank you to Red Crickets for their our theme song, which is called Blind. And to Vitor Hirsch and David Tadashore, our awesome engineers. And uh, tune in next week for a, an interview with... Uh, Yana Gavoyna, a traveling Filipina chef. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Well, that's history, oh my.